I held my breath trying to listen if there was anyone else breathing in the room. Dang, the silence was unnerving. I could hear my pulse loud in my ear, my heart beat a rhythmic rendition of its own, manifesting a new wave of fear. I cried at the self-inflicted circumstance, the stupidity and careless miscalculation. My father was a burly man who swore more than a drunk sailor. Famous for his unexpected backhand slaps, every time he came close to me, I involuntarily flinched. He reigned with terror in our home, mercilessly beat us, leaving us with nothing to salvage but self-pity and a burning hatred for him. I can hardly remember a day when he was sober or said a kind word to any of us. You never get accustomed to abuse, every day it felt new and raw. The habitual abuse took out a piece of me. I slowly become an empty shell and a punching bag for a depraved animal. Mother was worn out, she was all skin and bones. The light that used to flicker in her eyes diminished. She had the twitch, she would twitch now and then while jerking her head awkwardly. This was acquired after the devil's incarnate, our father, bashed her head into the wall. I remember vividly the image of her crumpling to the floor, blood steadily trickling from her nose. I could hear my younger brother Tariro screaming in the background. You killed her. You bastard. You killed her. Father did not give a damn, he growled at Tariro. Watch your mouth boy, or you will be next. With that threat hanging in the air he stormed out and disappeared into the night. I was numb, I couldn't move. I sat in that corner whimpering while watching the lifeless body of our mother. He hit her too many times on the head. Six months prior to this incident, a nasty gash on her forehead had been stitched up after she took a blow from a wheel spanner. There is so much head trauma a person can take. Tariro was the feisty one, contrary to the reserved persona that beaconed from me. We were complete opposites. He on the other hand was generally loud-mouthed and snarky, while I was the soft-spoken and shy girl. We were each other's cornerstone, we strengthened each other throughout the Gehenna of our father's abuse. Tariro once reported him to the police after father had given him an alarming uppercut because he had supposedly eyeballed him. Come here boy, eyeballing your father is utter disrespect. I said bring your scrawny ass over here. He bellowed. I pleaded with him. Please father he didn't mean to, forgive him please. My little brother was only twelve years old. Tariro stood with unwavering stubbornness, glaring at him in open defiance. Which did not help his case at all. Like a deranged man that he was, two long strides towards him and his fists swiftly and squarely met with Tariro's under chin, sending my brother flying across the room. Tariro got up and bolted, running faster than raiders of the lost ark. He ran straight to the police station. Mother rushed into the house and ordered me to go to my room. I sat in the forlornness of my bare room, wondering how mother was going to dodge this one. Why did she put up with this abusive goat strung onto Clarembo's syndrome? Yes, he brought several women to the house and kicked out of her own bedroom. She would sleep on the couch while quietly listening to the moans and groans of pleasure from her bedroom. What tore my heart was she did not protect us from him. I resented her for being as docile as a lamb, for being silent, for covering up for him and letting us go through hell. Every attempt I made to reach out to her, she shut down and spoke in the proverbial annoying verbatim honor your mother and father. Right, honor the perpetrator of abuse and abuser. The day father fished out his whip, when it slipped my mind that I was supposed to kneel when he spoke to me. I watched mother look away as each slash cut into my skin. I knew for a fact that she never loved us because no sane mother would allow her children to endure that amount of pain and abuse. In some demented way she depended on his cruelty. 
This sadistic mafioso gave her bearings to this life and against the dysfunctional setup she loved him still, despite the fact that he was a rank higher than Satan himself. Torero came back walking triumphantly with two police officers following closely behind him. His lips split open revealing an ugly cut. Seemingly he lost two of his bottom teeth. His mangled lips meant nothing in comparison to the budding euphoria of victory from the depths of my chest. At last, we could be free. May they lock him up, put the key in a time capsule and throw it at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. May he rot in jail for all eternity. That unimaginable piece of trash was going to the pits of hell where he belonged. I happily stepped aside to let Torero and his team enter the house. My little brother could not hide his bloody, gap-toothed smile. The boy was grinning like a Cheshire cat. I never anticipated what happened next, not even in my worst nightmares. Frank. I heard my father yell in delight. One of the police officers playfully punched father in the stomach and they all burst in boisterous laughter. They began talking in an all-too-familiar fondness. Father immediately ordered mother to prepare Satsa for his guests. Before I could harness my emotions, I felt the tears run freely down my cheeks. Hush child. I heard my mother say, help me cook for your father and his friends, quick. Don't just stand there, chop the vegetables and wash them first Shanai. Mother spoke as if everything was normal. A skill she had mastered and executed flawlessly without effort. I watched Tariro sit there, broken, hopeless and defeated. I felt his pain as he struggled to bite back tears. Get out of here boy. Where the bloody hell are your manners? The grown-ups are talking. Scoot. Father dismissed Tariro. That is when it all dawned on me. The ugly-tasting bitter reality. There was no way out. I can never forget the night Tariro and I packed our small backpacks and snuck out in the night to our aunt's house. She was my mother's older sister who lived three streets away from us. Seeking refuge from her was the last resort. Earlier on father walked into my room stark naked and gagged me with his stiffness. I threw up the evening dinner on him and continued to retch uncontrollably. You little tramp, he hissed as he moved away in disgust. I took that opportunity and ran out of the room screaming for mother. She was in the kitchen, sitting quietly and fixated on her knitting. Without looking up she calmly told me to keep the noise down before hastily adding, and go clean yourself up. I blinked away tears in disbelief. She would let him do anything to us. Rape included. I locked myself in the bathroom for hours, afraid that he would come back to finish what he started with me. A little after midnight, I tiptoed to Tariro's room and gently woke him up. Pack whatever you can fit in your school bag, we are getting out of here I said in loud whisper. The urgency in my voice said it all. He understood, nodded and quickly stuffed his bag with a couple of clothes. As quiet as mice we left and walked to our aunt's house. Children, what happened? Our aunt said worriedly as she ushered us into her home. We settled in her small, overly decorated living room. Now tell me, showing up on my doorstep in the middle of the night? Whatever is the matter dearies? She asked, while handing us each a glass of Mizoe orange crush. I tried to talk but there was a catch in my throat. I broke down and started sobbing. I managed to pull myself together and she took me in a long embrace. We told her everything, the beatings, the attempted rape, the cruel punishments and for good measure we peeled our clothes off to show her the scars on our bodies. Finally, she showed us where to sleep. It's going to be okay my sweet popsicles, it's going to be okay. She reassured us. We huddled in the tinny guest room with my brother, 
drawing strength from each other, uncertain of what the future held for us. For the first time, I felt safe. A foreign feeling so soothing that I gloriously welcomed it. The following morning, we enjoyed a hearty breakfast. Our aunt was an awesome cook, chubby and with infectious cheerful energy. Her little cottage was full of warmth that enveloped us in a false sense of security. Okay kids, jump into the car with your bags, we are going somewhere she beamed at us. With no questions asked we were in her car, we were safe and we trusted her with our lives. It seemed the horror was over. I could not believe my eyes when the car turned into an all-too-familiar cul-de-sac. My heart sank like a ship's anchor. We nervously exchanged looks with Tariro. Auntie Wa. Shh, my darlings, I told you everything is going to be okay, she cut me off. She didn't even get out of the car. She dropped us back home and drove away in a hurry as if running away from the laden burdens that we were. Father sat on the front porch smoking his pipe. Well, well look what the cat dragged and he taunted us. The dripping sarcasm so cold it could freeze ice cream. I felt my younger brother's hand slide into mine. We were sacred shitless. You spoiled rascals need to be taught a lesson. Today you are going to learn to appreciate how good you have it. He beat the living daylights out of us, whipped us raw until we bled. I wept the entire night, my face buried into the pillow in an attempt to stifle my sobs. I locked my room, frightened of a repeat of the previous night. I was shocked and bitter, our aunt betrayed us, how could she? I trusted her. Everyone seemed to be under some spell cast by this hell spawn, that is our father. Just when we thought there was a light at the end of the tunnel, only to realize that the light were the headlights of an oncoming train. Coming straight at us to flatten all hopes and dreams of ever being free from the grasp of the devil. I sat in that corner watching the lifeless body of my mother, blood oozing from her nose. Tariro was hysteric, Mama. Mama. He shook her in full panic mode. At the hospital, our aunt sat by mother's bedside, her head bowed down in a silent prayer. It was the longest three months of our lives, while we waited for mother to wake from the coma. We never saw father ever since that day. He just disappeared from the face of the earth. Our aunt took us in. My father's absence was a breath of fresh air. I began to smile and laugh again, my sense of humor slowly crept in, although sometimes my thoughts were clouded by the haunting memories of father's abuse. When she woke up from the coma, I was relieved at the same time annoyed by her insistence to know father's whereabouts. She was lying on a hospital bed, up from a coma induced by this leprechaun and she still cared for him? I was mind blown. We stayed a little longer with our aunt until mother was fully recovered, except for the twitch. We needed a little getting used to that. We returned home after five months. Tariro had just turned 16. We baked a cake and invited a few of his friends over for a small intimate celebration. Mother was withdrawn and more miserable than when father was around. Earlier that previous week, I eavesdropped on a phone conversation that she was having with one of father's friends, Bo. Are you sure you haven't seen him, Bo? I heard her inquire. Yes, he hasn't shown up for work for the past six months, she continued. If you hear anything, please let me know with a sigh she slumped on the bed. I was not surprised at this dysfunctional undying love that she had for this man who brought nothing but pain and misery in our lives. Six months turned to two years and father was nowhere to be seen. They were the best years of my life, well, except for mother's misery, which was a blemish to our happiness. Tariro turned 18 years and signed up for the army. 
I've blossomed into a head-turning young lady and pretty much used to the gawks and wagging tongues from all kinds of perverts. Working as a data collector for a research institute I managed to make a decent income to take care of mother. It was nearly end of year and I was swamped with annual reports so I took extra hours after work. I came back home well after midnight and threw myself on the bed without bothering to remove my shoes. Exhaustion caught up with me. My eyelids were too heavy, I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore and I sunk slowly into a beautiful slumber. As soon as I fell asleep, I was startled awake by the loud creaking from my door hinges. Tariro popped his head inside. Finally, he breathed and quietly closed the door behind him. I propped myself on my elbows this better be good Tari, I am really tired I said with a yawn. He didn't waste a second the bastard is back, can you believe it and mother took him back, she took him back Shanai. Tariro was almost yelling. My mind was racing, gripped by fear, dread and mostly anger. Angry at mother for taking him back and angry at the audacity of this man to dare come back after everything he put us through. I was livid. Father had returned but he was not doing so well health-wise. The man lost more than half his weight, his entire body was covered with large warts, his eyes sunken and the skin on his face loosely hung on his bones. I had the whole conversation played out in my mind. I was going to let him know what I really thought of him and this time I was not afraid of his reflex backhand anymore. But when I looked at the frail ill man on the bed, words eluded me. Don't just stand there, get your father some breakfast you lazy tramp. He's that. I was slightly taken aback, and all the years of his mental and physical abuse rushed back into one emotion. Anger. Without thinking I yanked the pillow under his head and placed it firmly over his face. He grabbed my wrist but he was no match to my strength, I pressed on harder, his legs flying and kicking. The muffled sounds from under the pillow did not stop me, his whole body racked with spasms, he jerked once, twice and he was still. Tears gushed out as I slowly back paddled in horror. It's okay sis, it's okay Tariro again, startled me as he stood by the door. He allowed me to sob in his arms. It's over, it's finally over he consoled me. The turnout for his funeral was sad, a few neighbors and his cousin showed up. No one cried except for mother. There was no eulogy, no prayer, his send-off was emotionless and formal. The cause of death read, succumbed to full-blown AIDS. My brother and I promised not to breathe a word to a soul about what really transpired. I felt guilty for feeling relieved. I had committed murder and I felt nothing. I was more dead than the rotting corpse of my father. He made me into this, a cold remorseless murderer. A week later, the dangling feet of my mother broke my heart beyond comprehension. She hung from the shower rod with her cold blank eyes staring at me as if she was accusing me of killing the love of her life. She hung there in her wedding gown, her face beat with makeup as if preparing to meet father on the other side. No suicide letter, she just left us without a warning or goodbye. After the funeral, Tariro left for training. Alone in the house that night I dreamt of mother standing by my bedside. She was quiet, just staring at me then tears started trickling from her eyes. I tried to open my mouth to tell her that I was sorry but I could not find my voice, I couldn't move, nor blink. I was locked in a stare down with my dead mother. I felt myself gasping for air. Shanai she whispered my name. And I woke up.